This is Everything Elite, the world's first and best uh, AEW podcast. Is that what we do? Is that what this is about? I'm Aaron. You know me by now. If you don't know me by I now. Know. <laughs> oh, fuck. Um, <laughs> Nate, aka Genesis, <laughs> is also here. Nate, These how are eyes. you tonight? That's all. Uh, I'm good. <laughs> I think I was I was going to do it since you sang, I was going to sing. Um, but then I forgot the second lyric to the song I've been listening to all day. Uh, I'm doing well, Aaron. How are you? Well, now I need to know what the song is. These eyes. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun, dun. The guess who? These eyes. Mm. Uh, uh, probably most known to the younger generation from that scene in Superbad where Michael Sarah sings it. Okay. Been a while for me in Superbad. Uh, it's a great song. You know, it's kind of probably been overshadowed by the Superbad scene. But just a great, great composition, great arrangement. You know, I love compositions and arrangements. Yeah, me too. I, I'm uh, with you on that. A few things I love more. <laughs> All right. Name a couple. Um. Well, Oxygen. <laughs> Feel pretty strongly about that. Mm, I'm out. Oh. What What do you think oh. is uh, the best arranged song <laughs> of all time? Uh, it's Beethoven's Ninth. <laughs> <laughs> the certainty. No doubt about it. <laughs> the jury oh. came in hundreds of years ago, maybe. I was not expecting that. I, I, you know, I think Mozart probably better than Beethoven. At least more staying power. What do you think about that, Mike? You know, uh, Mozart, you know, he looked up because he died young, you know? I mean, he died young and hot. Uh, I mean, Mozart was never as hot as he was the moment he died, and it yeah. carried on for centuries, whereas Beethoven, you know, I mean, he's a little bit of a latecomer, if you think about it. Whereas yeah. Mozart, I mean, that's that that's a supernova, you know. I mean, that's someone breaking out and shining bright and blowing up. And you know, when you blow up and you're shining bright like that, you're you're never going to go out in the night sky. Well said, and uh, yeah, you know, it's true now as it was then. It's the best thing you can do for a music career. Just uh, perish. Just die. <laughs> wow, what a way to start this show. Do you think, you know, I like Amy Winehouse a good amount. Uh, and, that, you know, a couple of very strong albums. Uh, but, you know, it just it's funny to see in our lifetimes, somebody's like importance and stature get blown up by by dying young, you know, because you kind of, uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm old enough to remember Kurt Cobain dying. And that's, you know, that that's like a whole other thing. But. You know, I, w I wasn't young enough to remember him when he was alive, I guess. So you don't really go or I wasn't old enough to remember him when he was alive. So I don't really appreciate how he was regarded before and then how he was regarded after and how those he kind of bridged. You read that, right? Whereas Amy Winehouse, it's like, OK, I remember, you know, the peak of her fame and then dying. And then it's like, oh, nope, now she's going to have a whole second life here. Big uh, wrestling fan, Amy Winehouse. That's right. 
loved the rock was uh excited to go by what building was it it wasn't was it the 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 manhattan center oh it was wwf new york that she was oh, excited right. about that's yeah right. pop for wwf new york right by the uh espn zone they hey. have a lot in common with her that's right <laughs> she was a big nas fan <laughs> that's right she was yeah. inspired by the poems of nas she was going to go to the slick rick show I'm uh, I'm wearing not basketball shorts, Nate, but certainly shorts. Are they cargo shorts? No, they're uh, like cotton shorts. Okay. Um, don't really have a take on cotton shorts. That just seems like a that's like a nightwear. Short. Leisure, leisure sort. I like them quite a bit, but no pockets. I'm pretty down Ooh. on that. Mm. Yeah. yeah. You gotta have pockets in your leisure so short. I can't say that leisure short, Aaron. I can't say leisure short, Aaron. Aaron. It, it does limit the leisure shorts utility. Sorry, yeah. I, was showing, I was showing off there. Sure. Um, yeah, well, when I'm wearing you, leisure shorts, the the real thing is, is it still a season where I can wear a hoodie? with leisure shorts because if right. it is the pockets are are nbd hey kevin smith did not make like five more movies than he really should have for you not to wear a hoodie of shorts <laughs> <laughs> that's right he, he made that sacrifice for all of us so we can go outside when it's 41 60? degrees <laughs> in shorts and a big heavy hoodie hey I mean, I appreciate that lifestyle, Aaron, because I'm living it right now. Thank you, Kevin Smith, for all that you have done for those who want to wear hoodies and shorts. And whether between 41 to, frankly, 83 degrees, you can wear a hoodie and shorts. <laughs> and thank you for all you've done for the AW Galaxy, of course, appearing on the first episode of Dynamite. That's right. TH2. When I was a big uh, hardcore kid, the, the thing that everybody did was wear shorts with hoodies but even if it was like 100 degrees literally <laughs> you had to wear camo shorts uh or basketball shorts and a hoodie which i did faithfully so that's right and I, did did I, you go to did you go to shows and when the when the the singer was not screaming full throttle 100 you were like oh this guy <laughs> this guy is not a real screamer yeah not a real screamer not wearing the hoodie and camo shorts Oh, yeah, you have to, and if you're the vocalist, I mean, you should probably at least start with your hood up, regardless of the temperature in the venue. I like to stand up in the very, if it was a band I wasn't into, I like to stand up front with my arms crossed (laughs) and just stare at the band. Hood up, just menacing the entire time. Yeah. And then if if you don't like the set, you just turn around and fold your arms. Oh, absolutely. And face the crowd. I mean, I never did that. That'd be pretty hard. Um, the hardest that would Aaron? be just super hard. So I never did that. Now I'm I'm old. I just stand in the back, you know. And regardless whether I like or dislike the band, I just stand in the back. I fuck. Yeah. I don't go to a show if I don't know I like the band. <laughs> kidding me? <laughs> right. What am I? Twenty two. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> exactly. No, Aaron. I appreciate the fact that you're regional hardcore set had a fixed uniform along the lines of when it was really big for a while to go long t-shirt over or under a short t-shirt and that was a big thing with pop punk i i appreciate that, that y'all big. developed your own 
Yeah. I, st- I still, I, that's just a comfortable thing to wear for me. I like that. Cause you can Ooh. roll up the sleeves or you can put them down. Oh yeah. I, I like how incidentally we are describing Nate's like preferred fashion choices, <laughs> hoodie and shorts, uh, two t-shirts, you know, all the great hits. I think I've said this before, but when we went to Japan, <laughs> it was like it was like in the 40s. I had like a winter coat. Sarah had a winter coat. AT had the biggest fucking winter coat you've ever seen in your life. Nate had a, like a hoodie the whole yeah. trip. Insane. We did, we did discuss this before. Yeah. Sorry. Only, I just thought of it. Only again. the first night was it. I mean, the first night was unbearable. Yeah, it was so cold. But it, it it's an American giant hoodie. They're extremely heavy. I mean, that's what I wear. That's what I wear for a coat right now. I mean, I got a new one in the in the meantime. Oh, nice. Because that one was tattered. Sure. Um, well, I was I was talking the other day about how I don't know if this is still true, but in college, like all the bro guys would only wear like a North Face fleece. But like it would be so fucking freezing cold, and that's what they would wear to class or whatever. And it blew my mind. But I think you just do the same thing. I mean, it's a it's a specifically Midwestern brand. I mean, I'm sure it's not actually of toxic masculinity is what it is, Aaron. That's right. It's because you have to show off how tough you are by being cold. Wait, I, a friend sent me a text message earlier, and she was trying to say this was cool about a a, a guy who is like a a graduate or teaching assistant or something who said this to a student. Have you thought deeply about why you have centered white settler colonial masculinity in your dissertation? Um, and had they? <laughs> I don't know. Sounds, but, is, I guess he's sort of, uh, you know, positing that they have not. I, I believe that was the clear implication. <laughs> uh, and she thought this was cool for some reason, and I thought it was awful. I mean, I can't really judge because I don't know. Oh, what yes, you can, Nate. Come on. I, no, I read the sentence to you. This is an academic uh, context. Anyone who says something about centering white settler colonial masculinity. I mean, is, they might just, they could just be right. Is dumb and bad. <laughs> Aaron, I don't know if you're cut out for academia. <laughs> I'm not at all. It's, it's fake. Academia is fake. It, it is. Very. I was. Talking with Mike this morning about all the carve-outs I've been making for my prison abolition and um, academia, all of them, right to prison, never to be released. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I don't. Uh, this is gonna, sorry, this is gonna sorry, be... Mike, the professor. (laughs) (laughs) It's gonna be a bit of a uh, bit of a speed bump for the theoretical uh, uh, advancement of knowledge generally. Um, but, no, you we've know, got Wikipedia. We're just, we're just going to deprofessionalize it, Nate. That's all. As you know, I, I identify myself politically as an uh, anti-McManus nihilist. So, I'm, you know, I'm fine with that. Whatever. It doesn't matter in the long run. Where do you think uh, Alfred Kanua is? I don't know how you pronounce his name. Uh, where do you... F- think alfred comes down on um an academic versus a non-academic well we know what do we know about him he's a stand-up comic yeah well i'm just saying like if we're talking about you know the academicians i don't know of pro wrestling like i would say bix pro wrestling (laughs) academic Hmm. 
I guess, sure. I mean, it's remember, a- <laughs> remember the uh, the pro wrestling journalist alignment chart. <laughs> oh, yes, I forgot about that. <laughs> Never mind. This has already been done. This bit I'm trying to do has already been done. Yeah. But we have to add we this need, is nasty to it. We got to add Alfred to the to the political compass or the pro wrestling media compass. Amazing. Okay. Um, anything else? Anybody got anything else on that? Um, let's see. The guess who they're from Canada. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of assumed they were always British. I think. Didn't they do American woman? I, I feel like you can't write American woman when, if, when you're from Canada. Well, that's, I, I feel like that's actually the bit, might I think. provide them with like a clear angle to actually write American woman if they're Canadian. Yeah. But I think the crux of American woman is celebrating like, the exotic nature of the American woman to the singer. And for a Canadian band, it's just like, well, you, you know, American woman, you're from Canada. You know, it's just like a sibling of the Canadian woman. Whereas a British man who's used to British women would appreciate the American woman more deeply. Right. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense to me. So I think that's why I thought they were a British band. I mean, all those all those bands were British, so it would be reasonable to assume that they were. All those bands were British? Yeah, all 70s rock. All those okay. bands were British. Okay, yeah. No, that's right. <laughs> so I can I can see. I mean, what are the other Canadian rock bands well, like I, I, from that era? Right. From that era is the hard thing. Yeah. That'd be, you know, one of these one of these arcade fires or your uh yeah they need to take on more of a guess who influence i think (laughs) Mm. i wonder where guess who stands in like the the pantheon of of canadian bands well well behind rush absolutely (laughs) i mean i just i i I, yeah yeah i mean in terms of like the the wide public perception i think for sure but you know like you know do they get played a ton because canada has canadian content rules for all their broadcasting so do all those indie Canadian bands just hear a ton of the guess who? While I was saying this, I realized, of course, the authors of Superbad, Seth Rogen uh, and Evan Goldberg, I think both Canadian. So right there. Both uh, Vancouverites, if I'm I, correct. I have more evidence that the guess who are, in fact, British. Okay. Uh, this is from the Wikipedia page. The song's lyrics have been the matter of debate, often interpreted as an attack on U.S. politics. Cummings, who composed the lyrics said in 2013 they had nothing to do with politics. What was on my mind was that girls in the States seem to get older quicker than our girls, oh. and that made them, well, dangerous. When I said American woman, stay away from me, I really meant Canadian women, I prefer you. Wow. Okay. So that was not really what I understood the song to be about at all. Of course, I don't listen to lyrics. I'm, I'm post-lyrics. <laughs> right. Um, I assumed it was like a celebration of like, oh, American women, they're dangerous. You know, compared to a, you know, in my mind, a British woman. No, it was, I'm sexually attracted to uh, women who are under 18, and that's <laughs> and that's dangerous, I think. Hmm. <laughs> I'm, uh. I'm, now I'm intrigued to, to, this, to this theory that American women get older faster than Canadian women. I'd like to dig in on this sometime. <laughs> what we need is we need an academic study. No! 
<laughs> we need to center the Canadian uh, feminine perspective <laughs> as compared to the American feminine perspective. Sure. Uh, and what would cause, I mean, you know, I, I imagine it's the lack of a social safety net causes American women to grow up faster <laughs> because, you know, they have to struggle for security younger and faster, which causes stress and crow's feet. I don't think the the girls he was talking about had crow's feet. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I haven't read the Wikipedia, so I'm not prepared to make that jump, but I have. So I'm I'm now an academic. Yes, you, you've American woman. <laughs> that is just about all it takes. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. We don't need these people. We can okay, is there a third? Can we think of a third Guess Who song between the three of us? Uh, We've already named the one I know. So. I was say, I can think of one, and that was American Woman. Uh, Not a big the Guess Who guy. Yeah, I think that's all I got. And of course, really, American Woman, I mostly know from the Lenny Kravitz cover for the Austin Powers movie. Absolutely. That was huge. Right. Yeah. Star, um, is that the second one? I believe that was because that was whichever one was Heather Graham was yeah. in. Was yeah, that? that was the second one because Liv, uh, Liv Tyler? No. Elizabeth. Taylor? No. Elizabeth Hurley. Elizabeth Hurley was in the first one. Um, and then what did they do? They said, no, Elizabeth Hurley is too old. So I'm going to start dating her daughter, Heather Graham. Mm. So really, I mean, we've, I think, established that British women age the fastest. <laughs> I mean, it sounds looking, empirical to me. I'm looking at their singles, and I just I don't know any of these songs. Uh, Madonna also did the cover of American Pie for the second Austin Powers movie. Did that take place in America? I don't remember this. I think part of it took place in L.A., if I'm right. So they definitely went back in time. Yeah. yeah. That's the whole idea. Yeah, because they went fast forward, they went back in time. And there was supposed to be a fourth one that just never happened. The fourth one is one of those, uh, you know, things that comes up every, like, six years, I feel like. It's the Duke Nukem of uh, Michael Myers attached, uh, you know, film franchises. Jay Roach, did he direct those? He did. Yeah, he had to. Have. Boom. Boom. So we should probably talk about Dynamite, should we? 20 minutes <sighs> in. I suppose. Yeah, uh, I mean, get, get started. I'm going to find another Guess Who song I name. No right. song I know. Uh, we're on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji. Hey, yeah, with two eyes. Subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast app you use. If you use the Apple podcast app, you can uh, subscribe to us there. Give us a five star review and rating, whatever. If you're on Spotify, give us a five star rating. You can get all our links on linktree.ee slash everything AEW. And the best way to support the show is to go to patreon.com slash everything elite and subscribe. Uh, okay. Dynamite. I found one. Okay. Go ahead. I know, I know clap for the Wolfman. It's a song about Wolfman Jack, who is on the intro to the song. That's great news. I'm not familiar with it. I don't think. It's got a nice little groove to it. Okay. Sure. We can continue. Elite or delete is uh, the the way we start off the part where we talk about dynamite. We just say our uh, favorite and least favorite things from the show. We'll kick it off with Nate. What was your 
Elite Pick, your favorite thing from this week's episode of Dynamite. Folks, Codyism is dead. Long live Codyism. Codyism is back in the form of Sammy Guevara versus Scorpio Sky. The feud no one cared about. The feud everyone was tired of. The two guys, everyone was, was saying, oh, they have go away heat. They need to get off my screen. I don't care about this. I don't care about Sammy and his uh, girlfriend, Ty Conti. I don't care about Scorpio Sky and Dan Lambert. Uh, and these guys just went out and just had the uh, stupidest, complimentary, complimentary, stupidest ladder match. Uh, maybe even stupider than the Cody ladder match. Uh, it was a blast. It was chaos. It made no sense. Uh, it had Ty Conti kicking Dan Lambert in the balls. I run in by Paige Van Zant. Ethan Page was not involved for some reason. Uh, there was barbed wire on a, on a ladder, which is, you know, is, is putting a hat on a hat, but in a good way because it's pro wrestling. Um, it had crazy bumps. It had <laughs> Sammy Guevara doing a, I don't know, corkscrew double 450 off the ladder, hitting no one uh, and almost dying for no reason, uh, except that he always goes hard. Uh, it was wonderful. The crowd went ape shit. As uh, Rawl pointed out, Philly was the same city where Scorpio Sky basically initially got any kind of reaction in this company when he lost a shoe in their initial tag team tournament run and threw his shoe into the crowd or something uh, and wrestled the rest of the match in a sock. Uh, and the crowd was just as behind Scorpio Sky here on this night, although mostly because everyone just hates Sammy now. Um, however... I want to defend Sammy Guevara. Um, of course, he's a natural heel. I've said this. So he's really just finding what really should have been his role um, in this company. And, and, you know, was when he was in the inner circle, but they tried to do this big face push with him. Uh, and it worked for a time because the guy always goes hard in his matches, always does some insane WrestleMania 17 bump on a random Wednesday ass dynamite uh, for no reason other than, uh, I don't know, I guess because he's crazy and he points at his head and he spins his finger around at his head. I want to make the push for Sammy Guevara as your leader for the 2022 Wrestling Observer Award for the most outstanding in-ring wrestler. If you look at his resume for this year, um, had the, of course, tremendous ladder match with Cody Rhodes where he won the title, unified the interim main title. He had... Uh, a great match with Darby Allen, as they always do on a random dynamite. Had a very strong match with Andrade on a rampage. Had that tremendous three-way against Andrade and Darby Allen on the rampage right before the pay-per-view. Had the clusterfuck tornado three-man match on the pay-per-view where they were fighting all over the arena. And you had, you know, uh, Sammy team with Darby and Sting, and he did a big crazy bump. Um I think they did another fucking crazy bump on what was it? Some kind of dynamite after that, maybe. Um, and then you've got this ladder match, which is, you know, I mean, the guys had the two best ladder matches in <laughs> the last, let's say five years. I'll go conservative. So the two best ladder matches the last five years, basically these two Sammy Guevara ladder matches, mostly because they're single matches and they're not just stupid clusterfucks. 
uh, that that's so I used clusterfuck as a positive before, but now I'm using clusterfuck as a negative. Uh, where you know guys just run in and do one stupid little spot and then slide out of the ring. That's bad. But these singles ladder matches have reinvigorated the ladder match as an art form, uh, and mostly they did it on the strength of adding gimmick barbed wire to a ladder in this case. So Sammy Guevara, much maligned, hated, obnoxious on Twitter, um, you know, accidentally turned himself heel uh, through the naivete of himself and his boss, but continues to deliver in these crazy ass stint matches. And this was another one where I just sent the show out on a high point. Uh, certainly, I, I don't know how this is going to go forward. Scorpio Sky did not really feel like a made champion when he won the belt from him the first time. You know, that played into the story of this match where uh, uh, Sammy, like I said, did that big, crazy double flip corkscrew nonsense. Uh, and it was like, oh, can he continue? That is, of course, how Scorpio won the first match. Is that Sammy ate shit on a big dive to the outside? So, you know, it was a little bit of like a banana peel win or something. But here, Scorpio actually beat him. They even put a big period on that because after Scorpio put him into the barbed wire, uh, and is climbing the ladder for the win. Sammy comes back onto the ladder, uh, you know, to put that seat of doubt in everybody's mind and go, oh, no, I thought Scorpio was going to do it. But Scorpio just knocks him back off again. Uh, that's that's a nice little bit of match layout there to really make clear the point that Scorpio beat him uh, in this circumstance. And, uh, yeah, it was great fun. And we'll see how it goes forward. But I, I, I think Scorpio is probably better off now than he was, you know, certainly two or three weeks ago. Is Scorpio better off? I mean, he he got through this feud. He was getting more of a reaction, I feel like, after this match than he did any time outside of SEU in 2019. So I feel like with that, and but a lot of that I feel like is him beating Sammy, who, you know, the evolution of Codyism into Guevaraism or Sammyism or whatever. Uh, the, the, the one big change there, Nate, is... They had someone who's willing to go along with the crowd when the crowd rejected it. That they kind of just played it up and was like, "All right, I guess this is how it's going to go now." And you know, does that make Scorpio over only because it's going against someone that the uh, audience that detests? I don't know, but at least tonight it feels like he is in a better place than he was two or three w- weeks ago. I don't know this th- this match. Like it, it, it did do everything that you said there, Nate. But I feel like I came away with this match just disaffected. Like, I mean, they had a dipshit uh, Spanish fly into a barbed wired ladder. Like, that's an insane thing. But I kind of came away with it. This going like, oh, yeah, okay. And Paige and Ty are now hanging from people on the ladder. They they kind of hop off and they decide to brawl. It, it was something where... The excess was there, but at least for me, it left me feeling a little bit disaffected. And especially like seeing where the title, how the title has kind of gone this year. It's very hard for me at this point to not have a better taste in my mouth with the TNT title. And it just was very hard for me for like those reasons to kind of come away with a positive reaction to this match, I guess. Uh, they did cool stuff in the match that was fun. I liked that. Um, Scorpio's definitely in a better place. I don't know that it's a place that matters, but it's better. 
but you know, this isn't the match's fault, but I do have to downgrade the segment because they literally ended this show with a Scorpio Sky Frankie Kazarian angle. Uh, Frankie in an all black three piece suit coming out like that. Yeah, just like uh, kind of a hard. And I mean this in a bad way. Hard sell for your next show to end uh, with that white hot feud. So, but the match itself, it's like, I didn't care about these two guys going against each other. I don't care about the TNT title, whatever. And yet this match was fun and like uh, enjoyable to watch. So I'll give them that. Uh, but Nate, you went kind of sicko mode with the <laughs> Sammy take. And uh, I don't, I'm just, you know what? I'm just going to let you cook. I'm just going get, to get the word out, start canvassing uh, to have everyone vote for Sammy Guevara, most outstanding wrestler 2022. Um, yeah, I think, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's a nice little story, it, except that Kaz, you know, you don't care about Kaz. Nobody, you know, nobody's in a position to care about Kaz right now. Kaz had a very funny thing going with the elite hunter and it just kind of went away. Um, but, you know, it's a nice well, he little, hunted oh. the he hunted the elite out. I mean, him he took out Brandon Cutler. So I mean, well, yeah, but yeah. now they're now they're more undisputed than ever. So really, he he lost the war because uh, now they don't even have him disputing them. Um, Did you yeah. think Nate that they should just if you're a wrestler, just stop hunting uh, Bullet Club adjacent units? It just does not go well. You should just give no, up. He on should bring in Yoshitatsu. He should bring in the Gun Club, and they should be an entire team of. Uh, elite hunters um but yes you know it, it's a nice little story you know the guy's old tag team partner gave him the shot and now he's going to get a shot and you know scorpius guy's going to beat him so whatever uh but yes that that was uh that is a big swing to put it in that spot i think this i feel like this is the most the strongest that mike has ever disagreed with one of my elites which i'm impressed by uh you know all all good points uh i just feel like most of the time he's kind of along for the ride I just, uh, I, 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 you were cooking so well about Sammy Guevara, most outstanding, even though I just emphatically disagree. I just wanted to hear you lay out the argument, and I'll come back later a week from now with who I actually think is the most outstanding. Oh, okay. Mike, cause oh. Mike, Mike's got all these Dragon Gate guys who have great matches all the time. Uh, I see how it is. Hey, I, I mean, we're right now in the era of a 20-year-old supernova, and I, I'm just going to pump the brakes on Sammy Guevara. He's, he's like 27. He's already yeah. washed. He's already washed. <laughs> now that's a good take. That's the take I expect from Mike. Yeah. Uh, my elite, should I just roll right into that? Hell uh, yeah. Oh, God. I, I just felt like weird vibes on this episode and the crowd didn't help. But the thing I, I enjoyed the most was Blackpool combat club versus the factory uh, Wheeler, Yuta homecoming pop. Just, j- just is such like an insanely overstar with his uh, rip off of Spartan X. And this match was just a lot of fun. It was a whole lot of Yuta, you know, getting his ass kicked and then, you know, Yuta figuring it out and locking Mr. Freak beast in a, a in a wacky pinning hold and William Regal talking about how basically he made like a comment that was translated from British to English. He wanted to watch uh Wheeler Yuta get his ass kicked a lot more. And it just had like a vibe. Like I love watching Aaron Solo get his ass kicked. He's a great jobber. And this was just a 
really fun trios match that kind of stood out to me on tonight's show. Well, I got to disagree, Mike. Uh, you know, fair is fair. Uh, I thought the crowd was great on this show. I thought it was a live crowd almost all night, but they were super hyped for Wheeler Yuta in particular, of course, being a Philadelphia guy and getting that billing. Um, but yeah, this was this was pretty good. Uh, I like the finish with having Yuta tap out Mr. Freak Beast. No, did he pin him or tap him out? It, it was a pinning hold, but okay. it, it, it looked wacky enough to be. Yeah, he had like submission. a submission and like, yeah, got him into a, a pinning um, situation. Yeah, you know, this coming after Yuta wrapped up Billy Gunn with a big pin. Uh, they're just having Wheeler Yuta beat giant guys right now, uh, which is, you know, a smart thing to do when you're booking a, a guy to be a future star. It's like, hey, look at him. He's beating all these big guys. Uh, so that was fun to me. Uh, I enjoyed Mr. Freak Beast this match. I, I just think his look with the factory is very good. I like Darren Solo. Aaron Solo, you know, Moxley came in and kicked him in the back of the head. Uh, and Aaron Solo went back over and just kicked him in the back of the head on his way out of the ring. That was a nice little touch. Uh, so, yeah, you know, these these Blackpool Combat Club trios are not, like, lighting me on fire. Like, you know, they're not going out and having, like, barn burner matches. They're like hey, we're establishing this team. We're going to go out and we're going to beat this other trios. Um, but they're they're all solid, for sure. Yeah, it's definitely interesting to me how Yuta is being used, you know, of course, pinning Billy Gunn and now pinning uh, Mr. Freak Beast, as Nate was talking about. So I'm that's like, that's great. I'm glad that they're actually using his placement in this group in the exact right way to get him over. And he got an insane pop when he came out. So it seems to be working. I would like to see, you're probably right, Nate, but I would like to see them start to transition into some sort of story, you know, some sort of feud with someone. Uh, But if you're going to be rudderless from that perspective, at least we have the thing to care about and pay attention to that is Yuda's ascension and Yuda's uh, establishment as a guy. All right. I guess that makes it uh, my turn for my elite pick. Uh, And it's a very simple one. I'm going to take this. You guys had good elites. Uh, You know, they, they range from a size medium to a size large, Uh, but I'm going to take this XL (laughs) because my elite is, it's really a hope, a hopeful elite. <laughs> it is the hope that next week on Dynamite, we are going to see one Kaz XL, a.k.a. Big Kaz. Uh, MJF, of course, teased that he's he's bringing in Kaz right after uh, Joey Janela split from the company. It's finally safe to bring in Kaz. And I don't know, that... I was happiest during the show in that moment because it was so funny. Like the idea of going from Lance Archer to big cast that rocks. Uh, I don't know. Cast suddenly being like a, a on TV is funny. Like the, which I don't know, actually, you know what I was going to say? MJF teasing that is very funny because who cares, but I bet the crowd will pop huge. When he comes out, I bet he'll be over big time. 
Uh, so I thought this was funny and fun, and it just made me genuinely happy. Well, Aaron, I would love to give you an L for that elite, <laughs> uh, but I'm afraid I have to give you a W Morrissey. Yes! Of course, uh, <laughs> he's he's pumping his arms up and down. He's doing the skulk dance That's exactly right, right. Um, Of course, you know, this is not his return to television. He has been on national television with Impact, I gather, for some time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I laughed big time. Uh, the crowd, I mean, the crowd popped as soon as MGF said the catchphrase. So he already got a good reaction out of the gates. People love new appearances so you know it, that's the fun thing about AEW is it's always dynamic it's never just the same uh uh cast of characters or you know the same guys on television every week we criticize that sometimes because people seem to fall into the back burner so uh so often but you know that enables them to do fun surprises like this um will it be good uh I, I'm, so here's my thing. He, they have to beat him faster than Wardlow beat Archer, right? They can't bring in W. Morrissey and have him put up a bigger fight against Wardlow than Lance Archer did, can they? Well, I mean, he is the hired gun. I mean, he has to be going at least 15, right? I mean, he, he is a special outside attraction. You know how Tony Khan loves a special outside attraction. So, I mean, he's going to be getting the time, brother. Let me make a proposal to you, Nate. Please. Uh, Kaz squashes Wardlow. <laughs> and this builds to, for the AEW Men's World Championship, Kaz XL versus Billy Gunn. What do you think? Um, I, I, I'm a little worried about you, Aaron. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think maybe your... Large uh, ex WWE guys um, pilling has reached a critical point where it's beginning <laughs> to seep into your uh, brain matter. I suppose I, I've somehow my brain has somehow become a melding of <laughs> TJ Hawk and the Bad Wrestling Podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, I have noticed that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that that's like my taste now and i i don't know that those two go together but somehow they've come together in my in my mind right yeah no it, it seems like conflicting ideologies <laughs> uh but you know you're just like every american voter your views are totally incoherent <laughs> yes. uh, and that's you know you got to find the magic where you can find it that's right and that's the magic uh to i'm sorry to take your question seriously I don't know. It the whole thing confuses me. Like I expected Wordlow to go longer with Butcher and he didn't. He beat him pretty quickly and I was like, "Oh, that's good. That makes sense." So then I had some hope that like I knew Archer would go longer than Butcher and and get more offense, but I still kind of hoped Wordlow would beat him somewhat quickly and decisively. He really didn't. Really? Uh, I I I, mean, I was shocked by how decisively he beat him. I mean, he power bombed him five times. Oh, he kicked, the, he kicked out of all his shit. The finish was great. I mean, I thought I loved the finish of the match. And, you know, Mike said this in the Discord. I couldn't agree more. You got to give Archer a fatter envelope at the end of this I, night. Yeah, I mean, he uh, he kicked out of all his shit. I thought he he did remarkable honors for Wardlow. So I, I don't know uh, where they're – I mean, the idea that Kaz is like 
a bigger monster than Lance Archer is funny, I well, guess. Well, he is. I mean, he's literally bigger than him. Well, true. You can't teach okay. that, I suppose. Um, so, all right. Well, fuck me then. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. They're going to go 50-50? <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. Okay, I, so... I think it has to be an appeal. Wardlow wins over Big Kaz Axel. And then, uh, you know, you build to the pinnacle of the Wardlow Challenge series, which, uh, I mean, has to be Wardlow versus No More BS Paul Light. <laughs> I, I was going to say Juventud Guerrera, but fair, fair. <laughs> and you have to build to the pinnacle of the Warlow Challenge series. Warlow versus No More BS Paul White with Juventud Guerrero on his shoulders. There we go. I like where your head's at there. It's just like Kaz in AEW. And I think it's really funny at this point. Like, of course, like, of course they're going to. So I was, you know, I was wondering, does this mean that AEW is back working with Impact? And then somebody said that Rovert had been saying W. Morrissey's contract is up with Impact. But then we also got Deanna Perrazzo announced for a match, uh, who I think is a Impact talent. So, uh, you know, something to keep an eye on. I will absolutely be keeping an eye on that. I I promise you. Okay. <laughs> Um, I guess it's listener elite time. So if you're a, a patron, we have a channel in the discord where people suggest their elites and I pick one each week. If you can't tell, I haven't picked one yet. So I'm trying to scroll through the channel, uh, to pick one. I'm going to go with, uh, our friend and patron Pat absent, uh, elite death triangle is back and set to pick back up a fun to watch feud. Yes. This, I mean, you know, I love Phoenix. I'm a huge Phoenix fan. Um, excited to see Phoenix come out and with a shovel shot on some guys, uh, you know, do his awesome looking on a double stomp to Buddy Murphy or whatever. Um, they're a great trio. Alex Alejandez stinks. He's terrible. <laughs> He he looks bad next to all the rest of them. Um, they still got to get rid of him. Uh, I won't I won't belabor the point. Uh, made a made a tweet about how you know. So now Phoenix is going to be on the Triple Mania show this weekend. If you're not aware, Triple Mania is going to be Phoenix and Vikingo versus the Young Bucks. Um, you know, Triple Mania always a blast of a show to watch. Um, but also, I was like, man, we need to have the Lucha Brothers on the New Japan show. Um, which I think would be in question because they're AAA guys and New Japan is very protective of their working relationship with CMLL and CMLL is super anal about ever coming within 50 feet of somebody who works for AAA. Uh, but Cubs fan did a reply that said, I think it'll all be okay or something to that effect, uh, which does excite me greatly that we might get the Lucha Brothers against some New Japan guys. Um, so that's fun. Um, but yeah, you know, the, the House of Black needs to have some super hot matches because they do these promos every week uh, and they've been doing this program. Eric Redbeard was there. Uh, but whenever their matches start, the heat just kind of dies for some reason. Uh, I Kind of because, you know, Cody kind of tanked the initial Malachi Black introduction story. So... Yeah, I, I just want these guys to just have blow away six man matches, 
uh, and see if you can get something going here. You know, uh, uh, Shield versus Wyatt family, when both those trios were new and exciting and they just had like six matches against each other over the course of a year or something, and every one of them was exciting. Um, that's like the best case scenario here. I mean, they, they've already had some matches, but now that Phoenix is back, they can like put the acceleration. They can not pump the brakes, but pump the ignition, pump the accelerator. Well, what happens this Nate was that they were tailing another feud, but they've just now gone under one second. So they can use drag or dusk. That th- this analogy doesn't work. I, this I, an F one thing. I have no yeah, idea yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I realized right before the punchline, it's just better to abort that. Yeah, uh, Death Triangle are the, always the coolest act on the show. Penta somehow has become more cool the more he's like Lucha Underground himself. Uh, Phoenix, I don't know if wearing all white is like making a nod to the whole a thousand lives thing, which would be kind of cute and on the nose there. And of course, Pac, absolutely nothing happens to Pac, who's Body's apparently impervious to goop now because because Julia is still suffering from the goop. Pack is just fine. I think we need to bring Pack in for observation to see what his antibodies are able to do against the goop. This might be the way. I mean, Hikarashi got dry gooped today. Like we have to like find something, and Pack might be the answer to it. Yeah, get a get some kind of vaccine developed from Pack's blood to help Julia. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Julia, who else? I, I mean, this is how you could stop like a malignant force such as gooping that has just overcome this promotion. So we, we got to bring uh, Pac in for observation, clearly. I do. My, you know, some of these feuds go on for so long that I actually just forget how long they've gone on. But yeah, go all the way go back to the gooping. All right. Well, I guess that means it's time to talk about the things we did not like from tonight's show. So Nate hit us with your delete pick. Well, I got to say, uh, I enjoyed the show. I, I really think it, there's been a pretty good long run of dynamites here over the last few weeks where there hasn't been a big dud to me where I'm like, Oh, that was a bad show. You know, they haven't hit the heights of some dynamites where we come around and go, you know, that was the show of the year. That was unbelievable. I can't believe that happened. Blah, blah, blah. Um, but just, you know, a steady string of easy watches. Uh, maybe it's that I'm, you know, coming to terms with what the promotion is and what they're going to do. And I've stopped uh, hoping for things that can never happen and just enjoying what we do have. Maybe that's part of it. Um, so I, I'll delete. I'm going to delete the Jericho Appreciation Society talking angle here. Uh, but even with some caveats, because. You know, when Jericho did that feud with MGF, I was complaining about the sports entertainment angles they were doing every single week. And, oh, they're doing this fucking town hall. They're doing the beer bash angle where they're spraying him in the ring with beer or whatever. And it was just awful and chintzy. Um, but they've, you know, kind of developed a nifty little trick to get around that, which is that they just made the fact that Jericho does these stupid sports entertainment angles part of his character and that's supposed to be the heel heat on him is like, yeah, we're doing a bad angle. And, uh, and that's the point. And Jericho is a heel cause he likes it. And Eddie's the baby face. Cause he comes out and he goes, this shit sucks. Um, so that's, you know, a fine little trick that they're doing. Uh, but there wasn't actually anything in this angle really at all. Uh, you know, they had some little fun banter with Angelo, 
and the AEW Galaxy um, and all that. And then Eddie came out, you know, Eddie's great on the mic, uh, but you know, they, they weren't building to a big thing here or whatever. It was just kind of a, kind of a advanced angle to get to the next thing. Um, but even, even in that context, he had a couple decent lines. He almost killed Ortiz with a table leg. He flipped up the table without really paying attention to where Ortiz was standing with relation to the table leg. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, there was nothing here. He said, Oh, you're going to put a hit on me. Then, uh, well, that means you got to kill me. Are you really ready for that? And he scared Jericho in that moment. Yeah. You know, it was whatever. I will say that this segment was good. If only for daddy magic's voiceover that changes each week to, to update us and just, just in general, uh, Matt Menard is a delight. And it, this is something that, like, they got over the fact they couldn't touch each other within 30 seconds, and then they hammered it home for, like, four minutes. Like, and Daniel Garcia, who I think is genuinely the most amusing thing on uh, AEW programming whenever he's on it, just because of, I think it's very uh, on, the, on point how he's doing this parody right now. But like he got it over like even more by going basically going you can't touch me you can't touch me to them with that and with with like the obvious payoff with okay they couldn't touch in the ring so then the Jericho Appreciation Society fireballed them in the parking lot like you, you did get the payoff there but it felt like that this was something that other than you know Eddie gets the cook on the mic that this could have been carved out and it didn't need to feel as long and drawn out as yeah I. I- you know, I separate the fireball part that the fireballs are cool. You know, you're not going to tell me a fireball is not cool. So that I'm, I'm just deleting the in ring, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Could, could have gone over in a third of the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's true, but also Eddie was really good. I thought I loved Eddie here. He, he just bring like, He's the perfect guy in the angle because, like you're saying, Nate, they're doing the thing where the babyface hates the sports entertainment stuff. And so Eddie's like, here's some real shit. Like, let me just be real for a minute as opposed to what you're doing, which is fake. And so was it too long? Sure. But that's the AEW way. Uh, but Eddie, I mean, I thought he was pretty well pitch perfect. Yeah. I'm. You know, he's his, his delivery – his performance is always great, um, you know. But I, I've been saying for years, you know, before he was in AEW, when before I was saying he should be in AEW, I was saying he should be in motion pictures. He should be in a Safdie's film. He should be in a Steven Soderbergh film because he's just a real guy who always conveys realness uh, and a real character at all times. Um, but you know, he just didn't have any content here to really go and make it especially good. It's like, yeah, well, you better be ready for this if you're going to say that shit, Chris is basically what he said, but it took a long time, but yeah, whatever. He also said the hit thing twice, which was weird. I was like, wait, why, why are we repeating that? Well, he also said the good line twice, which was look me in my eyes, Chris, I live behind them, which is just a cool thing to say. Don't really know what it means in the wrestling context, but it was cool line, but he said it twice. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't always have to mean something. It just be cool. Right. It's like wrestling, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> okay. Mike, I think it's your turn, bud. What's your delete pick for this week? I think this is the first time I'm deleting this person. But Darby 
in that uh, Darby and Swerve backstage segment was just like that was real McMahon core right there. Just like you're going, oh, it's my house now. I was like, Darby, you're next to Swerve, who's someone who just exudes charisma. You have your own charisma. And that felt very hacked and very kind of put upon there. But I mean, there just was little things on the show that got me. But this was the thing I was like, oh, because they've been so careful of Darby. Like they've like Darby and his presentation has been one of the true constants of the promotion over the last three years, like portraying it that way. And then having him, it just felt very abrupt and not true to Darby, just like with that, the whole backstage thing. And it just came off as awkward and forced. Yeah. I mean, I, so I don't really agree about Darby, except that, I mean, it didn't bother me is basically what I'm saying, but that didn't jump out of me, but I do think you're onto something that, They've been very careful with Darby and Darby has always been kind of siloed in his own things where it's like, you don't get Darby doing backstage interviews like this. You get Darby's self-made films, you know, is like how Darby builds his feud and stuff. Or, you know, you maybe get a, a, a promo with him and Sting shot in a empty warehouse or something. So it does kind of, it is a little jarring effect to just have Darby in this backstage segment where he's, you know, surrounded by the AEW logo and the TV and everything. Uh, and it just makes him feel more like every other guy. Um, yeah, yeah, this wasn't a particularly strong segment. It's a cool match. Um, you know, especially since they're both from the Pacific Northwest and have that history. So that makes it fun. Um, yeah. So there wasn't really a lot here, but yeah, I, I think the larger issue to me is that, they do keep doing all these segments in this same setup every time now where it's the AEW backdrop, the television, Tony Schiavone, and then Darby and Swerve or Jamie and Tony and Britt. Uh, and it's the same look every single week. Um, and maybe that's just that makes it easy. They can tape stuff ahead and they don't have to bring people out to television if they're not going to be on the next week or whatever it is. I don't know. Or if they just want to have a little more of a consistency with that. Um, but it does make it all blend together and not feel as important. And, you know, on some of the shows, I don't think it was as big a problem on this, sh this episode on some of the shows that are going back to it, like four times an episode. Uh, and you're like, well, I, I'm, I'm tuning out of this. I've seen this three times already. Uh, you know, and, and it happens in 30 seconds. Uh, then you're on to the next thing. And it just feels like it has no weight or, or specific importance. So uh, yeah, I think they could have done a more unique setup too make this stand out more who can forget darby allen versus shane strickland in livonia michigan that evolve 105 105 wow okay um i don't remember the match of course i remember all the livonia shows of course yeah with the the great chandelier mm -hmm. uh put on I'm by our our friend uh what was that guy's name who promoted the michigan shows <laughs> Oh, and he was like, oh, gosh. Uh, he's like a big, big lib. Ah, <laughs> oh, I can't think of I his name. Don't think I have this name. At I, all. I, I know who you're referring to, but I'm blanking on it. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was nice to uh, to EE 1.0 for sure. Uh, yeah, I, I shout mean, out to that guy. Thank you're welcome for remembering your name. Yeah, shout out to that guy. Um, I agree with everything that everyone said, basically. That's my take. Perfect. Um, my delete 
look, I'm a brave man. I'm just going to, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do exactly what everybody thinks I'm going to (laughs) do. It was the opening match. It was, it was terrible. Oh, I thought you were deleting the women again. No, I'm, I'm, I'm post women's division, (laughs) right? I'm post women at this point in my life. Um, the opener coming soon to post wrestling (laughs) post Post women women with Aaron Bentley. (laughs) That'd be good. Uh, so this match was everything I hate about FTR. It was, well, they come out in their little Bret Hart tights. Embarrassing. And then they're like, we're going to do a fucking epic match. So we're going to have all the epic spots you would have in an epic match. I'm going to work his fucking wrist over. We're going to do two double knockout spots. We're going to do the spot where you both try to do cross bodies. We're going to, the and the fucking, I should have just deleted the crowd. I fucking hated this crowd because <laughs> wow, all they really did all night was like the shittiest, cringiest fucking um, chance. So like this match was so bizarre. They pop huge when these guys come out. Then they are hot at the start of the match. Then they're fucking church house quiet. But then they're suddenly like, oh, we got to do the fight forever chant. It's like somebody, it's like they all had on fucking uh, shot collars and like somebody hit the button and they're like, oh, got to do the NXT chant for sure. So anyway, that made the match worse for sure. But the match was like, they, it's funny. They're supposed to idolize Bret Hart, but they do Shawn Michaels. They're like, oh, we're just going to have a cool match. There isn't a real story to this match. You know, they, the story they told on road Two was like, we just respect each other. And, but it, and we're going to have a great match. It wasn't. And we're going to show who's better. You know, that wasn't it at all. We're just, we're going to have a great match and we're still going to love each other when it's over. We've never had a single problem with each other in our lives. (laughs) It's like, that's not intriguing. Like that's not compelling whatsoever. And then the match didn't really have any sort of interesting story. It was just, we're going to do an epic 18 minute match or whatever. So it bored me to absolute tears. (laughs) Uh, Just could not care less about the match. Of course they had to do a fucking, you know, roll up counter finish because how else could this match end uh, than that? Punk made it worse on commentary. I just hated everything about it. <laughs> no redeeming qualities. Well, um, I, I do agree. The Bret Hart stuff has to stop. Uh, first of all, it's it's an Owen tournament. So, you know, do some Owen stuff. That's great. Uh, I think it's great that the tournament exists. Um, but the the Bret Hart stuff on Twitter has to stop. Uh, you know, especially because it sure sounds like Bret Hart has signed another Legends deal with the WWE or whatever, um, which is, you know, so fucking stop putting him over all the time. Uh, sorry. Um, you know, I, I, I like the match fine, I guess. Um, they did do a little story at one point where, like, Dax accidentally thumbed him in the eye 
Uh, and then he was getting mad that he thumbed him in the eye and he came out and was like, started striking him and stuff. Um, which I don't know what the purpose of was they to tease that they were going to start getting meaner in the match. Uh, but then they just kind of went back to, you know, good, honest, straight ahead wrestling. Um, probably didn't need that. Probably just stick with the, with the little, you know, showcase of our technical abilities, um, that they kind of started off doing, you know, when they came out and started doing all the, the arm wrenches and the deep arm drags and the, the, the kip ups and the reversals, um, you know, it was very snappy and you go, yeah, no, this is, uh, uh, snappier and, uh, stronger than a lot of guys do these segments. Um, and you know, I kind of appreciated that. Um, Kind of thought Cash might win, but they didn't go that way. Uh, they just they are just like, you know, Dash is, Dax is better. <laughs> They're pretty explicit about that. Uh, I mean, they even they even almost teased the protecting Dax by having him hesitate and not wanting to apply the sharpshooter, uh, but then he just beat him anyway. Uh, I, they did do a they did two replays on what was maybe the roughest spot in the match, which was Cash doing the super backdrop. And Dax was supposed to like float over and reverse it. And he just didn't get the float over, you know, and you've seen that reversal before where it's like, Oh, I'm in midair for a back job. Oh, now I'm, you know, splashing you instead of getting dropped on my back. Uh, it's a cool looking spot. And, and it just didn't, Dax didn't get all the way over. So he just kind of dropped his leg on him. And then for some reason they showed it twice on replay, which confused me. Um, but I don't know if that's just like, Hey, this is going to be a big spot. So get ready to replay it. And then they, they did it regardless of the actual execution. Um, but yeah, you know, I like to find they're super over. They've had uh, a couple really good matches recently. So I was, uh, I was ready to give them some runway here to, to have a solid match. And they spent that runway doing all of the Bret Hart tribute spots. They could, it just like, for me, I I'm kind of in between you two. I just like came away with this match. Like, like, Oh, this is perfunctory. Like, we, there's been enough, and of course not necessarily in front of worldwide audiences, but there's been enough partner versus partner matches at, like, TPIs or, like, BOLAs or just other tournaments throughout history that they can pull them aside and be like, all right, guys, if we're doing partner versus partner here, we need to have a little bit of an angle or a little bit of something, something where like cash talks about like, Oh, my arm, when it got hurt, Dax, you had some success. I want to prove you're not leaving me behind instead of what we got, which was uh FTR cut literally saying, if I lose, it'll be okay. Cause I believe that Dax Harwood is the greatest wrestler in the world. And then cash proceeds to immediately go and lose to Dax Hartwood. So it just, like it, it was just one of those things that like the crowd reacted at times, the crowd didn't react at times. It just was one of those things that like it just it felt perfunctory to me. Like it felt very soulless. Where you could have worked this in a very, you could have found an angle to make this more than I love you, but we're gonna wrestle, but I still love you because that's what it kind of felt like. Like it felt like the that like they're like oh we want to honor the Hart family and do X yeah. Y and Z. And I, mean, I, th- I, I kind of think that's fine for the story. You know, it, it, you know, I'm reminded of, cause Dax is very Benoit to me now. He does these super high chops like Benoit. They, I think they also did the triple German spot in this. Um, uh, 
you know, like the the Brett and and Benoit match on Nitro, which is like we're just having an Owen tribute match, and they just you know two guys love each other and they want to go out and have a good match for Owen, and that's what these guys want to do. It's like we want to face each other, uh, not in the actual tournament. It's weird that they're putting so much emphasis on these qualifier matches uh, before the tournament starts. I mean, I guess it's good, uh, but it, it's curious to me. I wonder if they're going to give this much time to the Owen tournament itself, uh, but. Yeah, so that I think that was the idea. I just wanted to be like, yeah, you know, we'll just go out and have a really good match with each other, like like Brett and Owen, you know, when they would wrestle each other, uh, and that'll be our tribute. You know, and th- I think that's fine. All right, our listener delete. I'm going to let the patrons do my dirty work for me. Our patron grinder deletes. Sheeta losing again. Yeah, it did surprise me. Um but, you know, then they showed Thunder Rosa and it's like, oh, yeah, but, you know, we were talking about when Rosa won the title, who's going to be her challenger. And we're like, well, Deeb's been getting built off these professor segments or whatever. So, yeah, they wanted to give Deeb the big win in the feud so they could have her be Rosa's challenger. Um, whatever. Uh, yep. It's... It, was I the only one who got like a impression and I don't know that this to be true, but that felt a lot like a finishing up in the territory kind of loss from Sheeta. You know, like it was very definitive. It was clean. It was, it made the winner look more brutal with that. It just kind of like, that was a vibe I caught immediately right at the match. It's like, that felt like the match you lose when you're wrapping up a contract. So I don't know. But yeah, um, I get where Grinder's coming from. You know, it, it did cross my mind. I wouldn't feel that it was uh, definitive enough to be like confident about that anyway. Uh, but you know, Sheeta does keep getting announced for more matches in Japan. I think. Uh, I think she's got. I think they had like photo. You know, like the Tokyo Joshi photo merch for her. Uh, she was included in the most recent batch of that, maybe. Um, and you know, I wouldn't blame her if she's like, well, I want to spend more time in Japan now. Cause it's like, you come to the United States, you move your whole life here. You, uh, not a native English speaker. Uh, you know, you do your best to, uh, be a champion through the pandemic and, and, you know, wrestle good matches. Uh, and you, you, you've kind of hit a ceiling. I, there's just a ceiling to how far any of those women are going to, be able to ascend because there's a cap on how much time any of them are going to get. You know, it's the, the way I've always, the way I kind of perceive wrestling is like, well, you can get behind things when you're confident that the promotion is behind them. Um, so it's like, yeah, you know, when somebody's booked to win a lot, that means the promotion is behind them, which means that those wins have meaning. Cause now, you know, you can invest your energy or your attention in that guy or whatever. And they're going to go on to do more things. Um, and yeah, for the women, it's just, there's only going to be one women's match per show. So, and all the women have to get a little bit of TV time. So unless you're Brit Breaker, irrelevant of how much, uh, how good your matches are, how hot your story is, how bad your story is, how bad your matches are, whatever the case may be, uh, you're just going to be in the rotation for the one weekly match. So what more can you do? You, you, you just, you, you, the, the effort level or the investment level or the, 
have I moved from Japan to the United States in an effort to, uh, you know, uh, be a big star in American wrestling, uh, just all becomes kind of irrelevant because you're just like in the rotation. And, and frankly, if you're Sheeta, like it made a lot of sense when she came, she mostly worked like Sendai girls, you know, Makai for sure. I don't know. I assume she made more money coming to AEW than she was making in Japan. I have no, nothing to base that off of except my own uh, speculation. But if you're Sheeta, she could go back to Japan and stardom would 100% sign her. Stardom is like signing tons of people. Yes. And certainly anyone that has any star power whatsoever. So she could probably make good money back in Japan if she wanted to go back. Well, uh, yes. Although it does seem like she pointedly has no interest in stardom. Um, I, th I think she was just announced for a wave show. And, you know, I, I think famously her and Siri both were, you know, their best friends and were not willing to ever go to stardom or something. And now Siri's there and like a top champion, the top champion, uh, last I looked. Um, but I, it, I do wonder if there's something there that she'd have, you know, stardom is a, is a no go for her personally in particular. Yeah, maybe. I mean, she can go work. I have no idea if she doesn't really fit with Tokyo Joshi, but she certainly could work there if uh, she wanted. Yeah. She's uh she's been on some cards and like I said, I think they just added, you know, her checkies or something or her eight by tens were oh, on well, the, there you go. On the last drop of merch. There you go. So I don't know. Um I would love to just see her wrestle more. So wherever she does that, I would be pleased to watch it. So Okay, let's get into the rest of the show. We covered uh, FTR Explodes. Uh, Punk cut a promo after that. Adam Page apparently has COVID, so he wasn't there. So they just had Punk cut a promo. They're going to be wrestling for the AEW Men's World title at Double or Nothing. Punk said everything to date has been a warm-up, but now he's getting warm, which is, yeah, what you do in a warm-up for sure. Uh, he says he's not a gambling man, even though the show's in Las Vegas, but he always bets on himself. He also, like, to me, very clearly said, I just want everyone to know I'm not going to win this match. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it kind of was like, hey, we're doing this, and like the mouth that he was like hitting the point of, I'm doing this until the wheels fall off. Like, it did really, in a way, did not come out like I ever want... Because he's talked about everyone should want to be a champion. He's talked about that before. And I was hoping to get a little bit more out of that with Punk. Because, yeah, it did have that vibe of, hey, guys, uh, I'm having this match here. Just so you know, I'm probably going to lose it kind of vibe to it. I like how they did it uniquely and just have him walk around with the fans. That was cute. Um, you know, uh, it's Made a cool you think match. Kip was going to jump the barricade I, at him. I, I watched Kip the entire segment. I barely looked at Punk and was just staring at Kip. Um, it's a cool match. Uh, I think you can do either result. It, it's certainly the first Adam page match where there's a question as to the result, I think. So that's fun. Um, but you know, but I have it in my head that they're going to do punk for Okada. So if, uh, uh, Tony Khan's going to give, give new Japan punk to beat, uh, that he probably wants to beat him first. So you have Adam page beat punk in his AEW title challenge. Then you have punk challenge for the IWGP title against Okada and you can have Okada beat him. Uh, that makes sense to me. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, my only, the only reason I'm saying that is like, 
you know, classic, if a, a baby face will simply guarantee that he's going to win the match. Uh, this is a weird match because it's face versus face, of course. Uh, but he like very pointedly said like, I am not guaranteeing that I will win this match. So I just took that as lowering expectations for him winning the match. Um, and they're doing it in Vegas. I think if, if, when he wins the title, they'll do it in Chicago. Um, but we'll see. Uh, Dan Lambert and Scorpio Sky were backstage. They talked about the match coming up with Sammy. Then we had the Blackpool Combat Club versus QT Marshall, Aaron Solo, and Mr. Freak Beast with Yuna, Yuda pinning Mr. Freak Beast, Nick Camarado, uh, Tony Storm, Jamie Hayter, and Britt Baker were backstage with Tony Schiavone. Uh, and Tony brought out Ruby Soho to even the odds. And there was uh, some dick humor. Also, uh, Ruby really has the WWE promo stain just all over her. It feels like, like she cuts like it. It, it it's kind of remarkable that she got such a reaction in Chicago, and this is kind of what it is now. I think it's kind of fine. I I think it's probably an improvement on how on like her indie promos. I'm always a little surprised at how. Uh, composed and clear she is on these. So, yeah, you know, she's settled in. And we had Dress Express and Christian backstage with Tony Schiavone. Uh, Jungle Boy is talking about how he should have won. Christian says, he sounds like a loser, dot, dot, dot. But you're not a loser. Uh, So they're willing to challenge any top five team. And it's Ricky Starks and powerhouse Hobbs who come out to accept the challenge. Yeah, they should win. Hobbs should also win the AW title. Um, Yeah. I agree. Hobbs versus Billy Gunn. Every night on the loop. (laughs) I I, I like now that everyone's kind of fixated on their one person who should be AEW champion. Nate has Hobbs. Aaron, of course, you think Billy Gunn should be world champion, and I think it should be Pac. Yeah, I'm kind of glad we've congealed here. No, we need the the four-way title match. Do it uh, like WrestleMania 15, 16. Oh, oh, you think about McMahon in every corner? That was 16. That was 2000. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Pac. Versus Hobbs, versus Gunn, versus W. Morrissey. <laughs> I mean, okay. I'm in. I, we could have a con in every corner. You got a Tony Khan in one corner. Yeah. Uh, Alex Abrahantes in one corner. Mega, Mega in one corner. Shad and the other. Oh, I was going to say Enzo in, in W.C. Morrissey's corner. <laughs> uh, I, I, I feel like Shad might be a big W. Morrissey guy. Maybe what? I'm trying to think of a fourth con. We could obviously could have Tony Khan, Shad Khan, uh, Nick Khan, of course, comes over. And the great Ocon. The great Ocon. We fucking got it. <laughs> a con in every corner. Love it. Uh, Wardlow versus Archer was next, which I think we've uh, talked about at length already. Wardlow won with the Powerbomb Symphony. We had the Jericho Appreciation Society in ring, and we talked about that. Sammy had a video building up uh, to the ladder match. Then we had the Philadelphia street fight with the Karushita versus Serena Deeb. Deeb won with a clover leaf. And as Nate mentioned earlier, after the match, we saw Thunder Rosa backstage, uh, you know, thinking about 
her next challenger. I did. I noted Serena Deeb has that Sean Spears music and heat on her entrance. Uh, just nothing. Um, also, they <laughs> what's really frustrating about when you miss a shot on a wrestling show is I only know if you missed the shot because I saw the next spot getting set up and I don't have the benefit of all the monitors. So like that initial shot where she is doing a running knee off the apron and Deeb, you know, swings around and gets her with the knee and uh, with the chair instead. It's like I could see Deeb taking the chair away, going over to the side of the ring, getting the chair on the other side of her so that she set up for the spot. And then, you know, Sheeta charges up on the apron and is going to run at her. And they just miss the actual connection of the blow. And it's like, I could see the blow coming. I'm not supposed to see it. You're the director. You're supposed to see it and make it so I can see it. And I missed it. Very uh, weird, weird frustration with wrestling direction. Which has not improved since they changed directors. We thought well, it was don't... going to for a bit. I think it has improved a lot. I don't think there's as many missed shots. Uh, what does frustrate me more now is they go and do these crowd reaction shots, but now they light the arena so dimly and it's like this dark red light that you get these reaction shots of people's faces you can barely see at all. Yeah, it sucks. Um, MJF, Sean Spears were backstage with Lexi Nair. This is where the uh, Kaz XL tease came. And it worked. Then we had uh, the House of Black killing Fuego del Sol. Alex Abrahantes says it's sacrilegious to remove a luchador's mask. Uh, it's supposed to be Alex in the ring. House of Black surrounds him. And Alex's voice says he's been dressing like this because they're going to blindside the House of Black. I liked to hear, I thought it was very funny that Penta and Pac came out to their music in this segment. Uh, but then it turned out the guy in the ring was Phoenix, and uh, you know they they beat down the House of Black, or uh, they made him run away at least. Yeah, just the whole presentation of this is very funny. Penta coming out now in his obscuro getup. Uh, Phoenix, you know Alex and Pack. Nothing ever changes. He shows up just wearing his tights. Swerve and Darby were backstage with Tony, uh, as we talked about. Then we had maybe the only match we haven't discussed yet, the Undisputed Elite versus Dante Martin, Lee Johnson, Brock Anderson, and the Varsity Blondes. Adam Cole pinned Lee Johnson with the boom. Yeah, I, I, I was sitting right here watching that whole show, and I did see this match. Uh, was it super short? <laughs> Seems like I barely remember it at all. It was, uh, Shoddy was really good in this. Like, Lee Johnson came off like a star there, and, like, they really murdered Lee to get over the idea that the Undisputed Elite, now we're all on the same page, Matt and Nick, put on the t-shirt afterwards that they didn't wear on the way out. This was, my, my big thought, Nate, that got me was, uh, Brock Anderson needs to get really greasy like his dad did in the 80s. Sure. I, I wonder I, if they're going to do anything with Arn now. Has Arn, Arn hasn't been around at all, has he? I he's been at ringside for Brock's matches, and that's it. Was he you here know, on this screen? one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. I Hen swear to Julia. God, I watched this match. I'm not sure that you did, Nate. Yeah, yeah, I said, yeah. I, I remember that they did the the four man BTE trigger. Okay, so they, you saw the they finish. called it. They called it a five man BTE trigger, and he's like, "Nope, four man." Uh, I, I remember Julia at ringside with her goopy eye. Um. 
Remember the t-shirts? I did a big five-man pose after they put on their t-shirts. Yeah. I remember all that. So I'm certain you saw at least the finish in the aftermath, but anything before that, not positive you watched this match. I remember Brock standing on the apron. So you you could have seen any moment from, because he was on the yeah, apron the as thing. he came back I, from commercial. I described the entire match right there. <laughs> I nailed every part of it. That was the that was the the shine and the heat and the comeback and the finish. <laughs> that was the whole thing. That's a pro wrestling match. Uh, then we saw backstage Jericho Appreciation Society have gotten over on Eddie uh, and others, his friends. Uh, they threw fire into Eddie's face, and Eddie screamed, "My face! My face!" I was inspired uh, by Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Turtles in Time when you would step on. Uh, for example, a pool of lava and your turtle would jump up in the air and go, my toe, my toe. I'll uh, take your word on that. Uh, of course that and not the Jerry Lawler fireball. It was definitely trolls. Yes. Uh, there was a video. They announced that Samoa Joe is going to defend the Ring of Honor world television title. I fucking hate that. Against Trent on Rampage, and they did a little video building to it. So, so was the NWA a T- world TV title, or was it just NWA television title? No clue. <laughs> uh, they I don't, don't have TV. Was... <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about the classic. Uh, yes. It, well, yeah, it's a... Uh, so, NWA was the... Well, it was originally the national television championship. Then it was the world. But and WCW also had the world television championship. But it's just, it's, it's bad. Can't be a world title. I mean, television is worldwide. Nate, we have satellites and hmm. things. Is Samoa Joe going to be included in the real world champion poll? No, because only the top champion from promotion gets in it. So it's still Jonathan Gresham. There you go. That's, that's the ruling, the official ruling. Thank you. So, uh, so, so, so if you did tag teams, it, it didn't, it wouldn't matter because they could be champion or world champion, Nate. Right? It's whatever the top tag team titles in a major promotion would be. Fair enough. So, Ring of Honor wouldn't count anyway. No, you put Ring of Honor in the other. Well, Ring of Honor was kind of grandfathered in because they were already in the poll, um, and were you know at one time a significant pro wrestling promotion in the Americas. So I like this Trent promo on this little video. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, always talk a lot about Trent and how he's got the right tone for this promotion. Uh, and I always like his matches. Um, but, you know, he, they even do like the little wrestling promo story things better than a lot of guys in this promotion where, you know, Trent very readily identified what this match was and how he was different from his opponent and what he was going to do in the match. You know, he's like, Samoa Joe, yeah, he hits hard. Well, I'm the guy who gets hit hard, um, which is just a, like, perfect little Trent line of, like, you know, I'm I'm kind of the not uh, super serious guy, but actually I do kind of wrestle pretty seriously. And, yeah, I get my ass kicked. But, yeah, that means I can take a punch from Samoa Joe. Um, I, I, I just like Trent as a pro wrestler. Yes, he's a great pro wrestler. This match – is probably going to be sick. I'm it, really looking I, forward to it. I hope it's a really cool match. And we close it out with the uh, TNT title ladder match. Sammy Guevara versus Scorpio Sky. Scorpio won uh, by grabbing the belt, as one does, to win a ladder match. 
And after the match, motherfucking Frankie Kazarian came out. Uh, Sky appeared to accept his challenge. Ethan Page and Dan Lambert look skeptical. I think we we might be, we got to have dissension in the unit, Nate. So I think we might have some dissension. Well, you know, Ethan is worried that Kaz is going to beat him. He's worried about uh, losing his meal ticket with this TNT champ, Scorpio Sky. You guessed it. It's Frankie Kazarian. That's right. Well, the American was... top team hunter. <laughs> <laughs> but then well, he begins was... to you by proxy. Then. I'd be so sick if they had like sketches of him going to the American top team gym and like trying to like chop block an MMA guy and the MMA guy just like shoot kicks him in the face. <laughs> what if he tries to go to like one of the satellite gyms where it's just like dads trying to like do kickboxing and he just beats up a bunch of dads. Like he doesn't even go to Coconut Creek. He goes like Pompano and this is, goes like yeah. an affiliate. Yeah, yeah. This is this is an echo of the Jeff Jarrett stretching kids. In right. May. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. I like it. Well, that was dynamite. If you enjoy our show, best way to support it is to go to Patreon.com/slash/EverythingElite and subscribe. We do a dynamite preview. We do a rampage review. Uh, we also we have a Discord that's a lot of fun, and I guess it's safe to say, although we haven't recorded it yet, that we will have This Is Sting Part 2 before the month ends. It will be in your uh, podcast feed. Okay, don't publish it before I give you the art for it. Um, oh, we have art? Okay. Well, you know, we got the little This Is Art, and the idea with the This Is Art is that we just put it on a picture of the guy that it is. Okay. So can that'll you, look better. Can you put than that the... together for us, Nate? Yeah. Sick. 90s WCW. Got it. Yeah. Uh, so and that's that's good because I'm not uh it may be that I tape I'm on the, the world tour episode this week with a guest. We may not tape till Sunday. Uh so it's good that we'll have another show before the end of the month here. Yeah, so we're gonna be covering uh from uh nineteen ninety through nineteen ninety nine, which it turns out a lot of stuff happened. <laughs> yeah, only like the second most uh, like incrementalist decade in wrestling history. Yeah, so I've got a lot of notes, and I'm I've been working hard to edit them down, Mike, so that this doesn't become a two part part two two <laughs> A and two B. Just because we have to talk about the launching of the first WWN with uh, Paul Heyman beforehand. That was in the notes at one point, but it has been edited out. Nate, <laughs> <so. laughs> did you ever hear about this, what, what he tried to do? No, does not ring a bell. So this was between WCW and ECW. There was a time it was him, and it was believed to be David Crockett starting their own. They only filmed like one thing out in Colleen, Texas at like a military base. It was called WWN, and they were already talking about using HD cameras in 1994. Oh, wow. It only had that one. Apart from the competition, says Paul. Yeah, only had that one taping. I think it, uh, there was a uh, Eddie Gilbert versus Terry Funk. That was during the touring Eddie Gilbert versus Terry Funk time. So we'll we'll probably talk a little bit about Eddie Gilbert in the 90s. Colleen, Texas, uh, you know, my my birthplace. So I I, I forgot that you were a Fort Hood baby. (sighs) Holds a special place in my heart. Don't think I've ever heard that before. You probably have. Um, yeah, I've also cut out things like an insane Sid Vicious Arn Anderson brawl 
in a hotel. Oh, the scissors oh, the, incident. The scissors. Yeah. 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 Well, that's. I mean, that's important to the WCW canon, of course. It is, I, but but perhaps not to the Sting canon. <laughs> I, I, I mean, didn't Sting like? Wasn't he like the person that like pulled one of them away? So yeah, it was. Uh, I don't think so. That that might have become like ephemera throughout the ages. Yeah, I, I don't think he did, at least based on the reporting at the time. But, you know, who knows? But basically, anyway, Aaron, what you're trying to do is not make this into between the sheets. Yeah, because it could have become that really easily. <laughs> uh, for some reason, I felt the need to to catalog every time WCW changed bookers over that time period. And <laughs> well, it's I mean, like that, that's actually month. educational, you know? Yeah. Okay, gonna, so you guys, you guys are are anti uh, academia, but uh, the WCW booking history is important to education. Hey, you have to know what Kip Fry, what Kip Fry did. Okay, I I actually edited Kip Fry out today. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you! Now you're gonna tell me no Bill Hurd and no Pizza Hut comments. Yeah, sorry, man. Apologize. I mean, uh, now yes. I'm about to like talk about like the. Uh, the the, the 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 electrocution match they did with Abby the Butcher instead. Now sure. you're gonna tell me that that what that's not in this either. Uh, there is an Ab- Abdul the Butcher comment in the okay. in the show, so don't worry about that. Fine, uh, Nate. My point is this: if academics focused only on NWA and WCW booking, they would be okay, but nothing else. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, okay, I will alert. Uh, fucking joe biden (laughs) yep let him know okay stuck the landing (laughs) patreon.com slash everything elite as nate mentioned he's going to be doing the world tour rampage review show this weekend they're going to be in philadelphia pennsylvania uh we're going to have swerve versus darby and an owen qualifier hook versus danhausen I don't think that's a match. I think that's just a segment. I, I believe said it's face a face-off. Face yeah. Uh, uh, it did, I mean, it got maybe the second or third biggest pop of the night. Uh, so, yeah. Right. You know, uh, the flanderizing has been uh, rejected by the crowd, who is hotter than ever for Hook or Dan House. Okay. Well, that makes sense. I was wondering how they were going to do five matches on the show. Uh, we got Jade Cargill, Red Velvet, and Kier Hogan. Versus Willow Nightingale, Trisha Dora, and Sky Blue. We'll have That's the first Col- time that Trisha Dora has done AEW, right? Believe so, yes. I think that's right. That'd be a good pickup. Uh, Colton Gunn versus Keith Lee. Why not do Billy Gunn versus Keith Lee? <laughs> and then uh, the ROH television title match, Samoa Joe versus Trent. Looks like a good episode. Yeah, there's a lot there. There is. And then uh, Dynamite the next week will be in Baltimore. I, I missed the matches. I'm just going to be honest. But Mike and I will preview that on light next week. So just sign up for the fucking Patreon and I'll tell you what's going to be on the show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Don't well, just I, follow AEW on Twitter to get yeah, that information. No, you cannot Google this. This is not Googleable information. <laughs> no, I, this I, is paywall, baby. I, I mean, to be fair, they do make finding the cards very difficult. So Well, yeah, and they don't announce like three matches until right before the show. So yeah, I think that's it. So follow us on Twitter at everything. AEW. I'm at Aaron, like the car. Nate is at a Mike is at Fuji. Hey, with two eyes subscribe to the podcast, 
give us a five-star rating and review and make sure to subscribe to patreon.com slash everything elite uh that's it for mike for nate i'm aaron we'll see you next week okay.